This is episode number 736 with Tom's Shoes founder, Blake Mykoski. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Oprah Winfrey said, don't worry about being successful, but work toward being significant and the success will naturally follow. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday season as we're wrapping up the end of the year. And I'm going to be sharing some of my end of year lessons, some of the biggest lessons I've learned from this year. And it's, it's been a lot, trust me, especially a lot happening towards the end of the year. But I'm excited about this interview with Blake because he has done some incredible things for business and charity and making the world a better place. He's done it all and he's combined it in a powerful way. And if you don't know who Blake Mykoski is, if you've never heard of Tom's Shoes, he is the founder and chief shoe giver of Tom's and the person behind the idea of One for One, which is a business model that helps a person in need with every product purchased. You've probably seen this. You've probably bought Tom's shoes. You've probably bought um, from this model from another company because many companies and brands have taken this model and implemented themselves where you buy a product and they give that product to someone in need as well. It's a very popular model right now. And this simple idea has grown into a global movement. Tom's Shoes has provided almost 90 million pairs of shoes to children since 2006. And in this interview, we talk about the benefits of having a business that gives back, how to deal with negative backlash with empathy. So how to deal with the backlash when you try to do good in the world, but people make you wrong for it still. The power of storytelling for your business and how your business will ultimately suffer if you don't have a great story. Some of the major challenges that entrepreneurs are facing right now and what they need to do to get out of them and what every business and entrepreneur should be thinking about in terms of charity and giving back. That and so much more. We cover things about his latest initiatives, which are mind-blowing what he's been able to create with his platform, how to do good in the world, how to change policy in the world through your platform, and so much more. This is a really important interview and um, I'd love you to share this out with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 736. Let Blake know on Instagram what you think about this. Tag him as well. He's at Blake Mykoski and at Tom Shoes. You can check them both out there. Guys, this couldn't be more timely of information. If you are looking to build a business, if you're looking to build a, a side hustle, a consulting business, a brand, You've got to be thinking in terms of how can I do good in the world? How can I give back? How can I serve more people than just serving myself of making money? And I believe that if you're not thinking about this and mindful about this, your business will ultimately struggle and suffer if you're not looking for ways to give in a more holistic approach in your business and in your brand. So I'm very excited about this. Again, make sure to share this with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 736. And without further ado, let me introduce you to the one, the only, Blake Mykoski. 
Welcome everyone to the School of Greatness podcast. We have the legendary Blake Mykoski in the house. Good to see you, man. How you doing? That's a nice introduction. You're doing legendary. Well? You're doing well? I wish my wife would say that when I, <laughs> when I walk into the, into the kitchen well, in the morning. We have, we have like, I don't know, probably a couple hundred mutual friends probably in this kind of For sure. I think every single book here yeah. is a book I've read and I know the author. I was looking so. at your Instagram page <laughs> Recently, and I saw you know Jesse Itzler was doing yeah. a video for you, and we were talking about Scott Harrison, and so many mutual friends who are entrepreneurs. Probably Adam Braun, you probably yeah. know, and all Very these guys. Well. So a lot of people have been on here. A lot of people have recommended having you on here. So I'm glad you're finally I'm here. I'm so glad to be here. You uh, are are well known for creating Tom Shoes, which has been kind of like the gold standard for how to run a business with social good behind it. Thank you. And everyone uses you as an example. They're like. Well, I'm the Tom Shoes of like sunglasses. I'm yeah. the Tom Shoes of this. I'm Two the Tom things. Shoes Coconut of coconut oil. Everything, yeah. right? Yeah. So everyone's kind of doing this, you buy one and we give one model, yeah. right? Yeah. What was your original inspiration for, for doing that? And did you think it would actually last 12 years and grow? Or was it like, maybe we'll make it past a few years and then yeah. give away I mean, a bunch of shoes? It, I mean, literally, we it wasn't even a business when we launched it. We called it a, the Thomas Project. It wasn't, you know... And what's so interesting is that there's been so many people that have emulated this one-for-one one model, but we didn't really think about, like, we were creating a model. We just wanted to keep track of it. Like, it's the easiest way to keep track of this because, you know, I was traveling in South America, specifically Argentina. I saw all these kids in the streets, you know, street kids, you know, kind of sniffing glue and kind mm-hmm. of, you know, really going through tough times, and none of them had shoes on. And I asked this woman one day, I was like, you know, why are these kids not in school? And she said, well, one of the reasons they're not in school is they have to have a school uniform to go to school. And part of that uniform is a pair of shoes, a black pair of shoes, actually, and they can't afford it. And so if their um, families can't afford the uniform and the shoes, then that... They don't go to school. They go to school. And can't then they get education. Get in the, then they, they get into poverty. all kinds of bad stuff. And yeah. so when I think back to that moment, the idea I had was so simple. Like, I basically went and volunteered with this organization for the day who had gone and gotten donated shoes. Mm -hmm. So they went to wealthy families in Buenos Aires, collected these like slightly used, they weren't even new shoes, but used shoes. They took them to the kids before the school year and that was their donation. And I went and volunteered and donated shoes and got the joy of seeing kids get shoes. And that night I came home and I was talking to my buddy who was a polo teacher of all, all things. His name's Alejo. And I said, Alejo, I said, this is what I did today. It was amazing. Like I felt so good like I felt like so full of spirit and he said yeah but what's gonna happen when they need their next pair of shoes Mm. and it was like I went from like a 10 to like a (laughs) 5 I was like oh like I don't know and like maybe we didn't actually do something good today maybe we just like prolonged a future problem and that's when I had the idea is like you know I've never been in charity, I've never been in philanthropy, but I'm an entrepreneur, I've started a few businesses, and what if you could start a business where every time you sold a pair of shoes, you would give a pair away? And then that way, it's really easy for the customer to understand, it's really easy to keep track of, it's not like, oh, 5% or 10% or 30% of your sales go to this nonprofit, and then how much it actually gets to the kids. It was like, okay, like you buy a pair, we give a pair. That simple, we'll call it one for one. And that was it, and it was just like, you know, I mean, at the time, I mean, I was kind of running another company, an online education company that I started. This was like a side project. Right. We didn't have like a business plan. We didn't even have a checking account. Like it was like, oh, let's just do this. And truthfully, at the, at the time, I mean, 
I was a single guy, like 29 years old, loved Argentina, loved yeah, going down there. I love Argentina. Right? And so I thought, like, okay, this is cool. Once a year, right before school, I'll go down there, I'll give a couple hundred kids shoes, and then I'll come back at Christmas, give them all shoes, make it sustainable, yeah. and it would be like my cool little project. Like, that was the idea. Yeah, yeah. And now we've given 88 million children a pair wow, of shoes. Wow, man. That's so amazing. 88 million. And, and it's... It's been amazing, and, and I think you know the fact wow. that there's been so many other companies take this one-for-one one and actually call it a model now and emulate it has been one of the things that I think I and people at Tom's are most proud of. Like It's amazing that when we read about companies that are helping people with eyeglasses, like yeah. what Warby Parker's yeah. done, or you look at other companies that have done it in everything from diapers to you know mattresses. I mean, it's like there's actually a really interesting way of offering a product to someone that they want to buy and at the same time, help someone who has a need that would never be able to afford it. And so that's, I think, one of the things we're most proud of is that it has permeated business culture yeah. around the globe. How many of these one-for-one -one models are out there? Oh, there's business? hundreds, if really? not thousands. Yeah, I mean, and I go to Korea, and they're they're like there, and and it just, I guess, it just went, it just made sense to people. Like it was like, okay, there's a lot of people that want something. And there's a lot of people that need something. And you connect the want and the need through commerce. Mm -hmm. You can actually, um, you can make it work. And so. Do you think this model would have worked 30, 40 years ago? No. For, for companies? I think the, I, I, the reason why I think it, what, what the number one thing that I say that if you really plot like the growth of Tom's, 2006 is when I started. It's also the year that Facebook was, went off campus. And social media in yeah, general. 2007 was the year that YouTube started. Wow. You know, so literally you can plot. It's probably Twitter. Or yeah, yeah. Right. So you can literally plot our growth to the growth of social media. Wow. And so it's, and I think that the reason that is so important is, and this is why other brands have emulated this both from a giving perspective, but also from just a business perspective, is that it became about storytelling. And that's so much what you're about. So it's like, it's about like connecting people to a story, to the power to be part of something bigger than themselves. Wow. And you could never do that through advertising because it wouldn't be authentic. But what is authentic is when you got your first pair of Toms in 2007 and you watched a video of us giving them to children in Argentina, you wanted to post that on your Facebook, that, Facebook or MySpace, yeah. it was a big deal back then, and, and say like, look, I did this. I actually am wearing these shoes because it's helping these kids get shoes. Right. And so I think that's, a big part of why we were able to grow. And then the other part of our growth that is really unique is I had no investors. You know, it went from zero to half a billion in sales with no investors in five years. Half a billion in sales in five years. Six years. Six, Six years. years. Yeah. Wow. So so that that's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. But and these are like affordable shoes. Yeah, these aren't 40, like yeah, forty eight dollars. These aren't three hundred dollars shoes. <laughs> no, no. Forty to it's a lot how of much? shoes. 48 to our boots sell for like 150 dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back then yeah, it's it all was forty bucks. Forty yeah. bucks. Yeah. Wow, yeah. half a billion in sales. <laughs> yeah, but that's because of connecting in a way that allowed the customer to be the marketer. It allowed the customer to be the hero. And the I think, storyteller, yeah, exactly. the champion. And so that's what I think is so unique. And then frankly, you know, we got to half a billion in six years, and then over the last six years we haven't grown hardly because it's been hard to have that fresh story. It's been hard to have a reason for someone to get as engaged. Now people love our shoes and we still, you know, sell a ton of shoes every year and the business has been real successful and we've helped, you know, millions of kids every year get new shoes. So our mission has stayed great, but we haven't had that like 
astronomical growth again because so many people have emulated it yeah. that it's like, okay, I like your shoes, but I'm not, I have no need to go on to Twitter or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever and tell all my friends I bought a pair of shoes. It would actually be weird. Like, it would be weird if you were like, guess what? I got Tom's shoes today and they helped give a pair to a child in need. All your, your followers would be like, yeah, like, I know that started 12 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, unfortunately, our Huh. Success and the number of kids that we've helped around the world, while it's been incredibly gratifying, it hasn't until recently had like another big story to tell. And so, so that's what's been like any business. You have to kind of, and then you become more focused mm. on the fashion trends and getting the styles right. And we built a great men's business over the last couple of years, but that doesn't happen overnight. Mm. Do you think a, a business can thrive off of one story after 10 years? I think you can maintain. So I guess thriving is it's all relative, right? Like maintain meaning get yeah. the same amount of sales. Yeah, like I think year. you can maintain that base. You know, we've maintained a, basically a half a billion dollar business, a little bit less than that over the past, you know, 4 or 5 years because we have that base and they're buying the shoes because they're connected to the mission. They respect Tom's as a brand. They like the style. They like the quality. They like the quality all that. But in order to have another level of growth, I think you need to engage your customers in a new story or in something that they feel that when they move, it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And so that's yeah. that's been something that you can never predict when that's going to happen or how that's going to happen. But I think when you look at like, I mean, Apple's a great example of that. Yeah. You know, if you look at the different peaks and valleys of Apple over a 40-year period of time, you know, Patagonia is a great example of that. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, they had you know, a huge rush with the original Patagonia in the yeah. late 80s. I mean, I don't know if you had one when you were a kid, but everyone I knew had one. Yeah. And then they kind of came down quite a bit and they uh -huh. plateaued. And then in the last five years, they've they've really grown again. So I think it's Vans is a great example in the footwear space where in the 70s it became the hottest thing. Then they almost went bankrupt. Yeah. And then now they're $4 billion business or something. It's crazy. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. And how have you stayed inspired by the same story? Yeah, it's, it's because been, it's like you've had every press coverage there is possible yeah, the last decade. Sure, right? you were in every commercial for the first four or five years. Yeah, I think I remember seeing like a Chase Bank commercial one time. Yeah, AT and T commercial. Yeah, a bunch of them. Commercials that yeah. we're promoting, which also helps sell shoes. Yeah, when you're sure. doing this, when other yeah. people are talking about your story, sure. of the story. But yeah, how do you stay inspired for that long? Well, it's been hard. I mean, part of what has inspired me a lot in the last, say, four to five years is, I say, going from being the athlete to the coach. Mm. I was like the star athlete for, say, the first six or seven years. Yeah, you were Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nice call. I'll take that. I'll take that compliment. But but then I, I, I the only way to stay inspired was to move more into a coach role. Mm -hmm. and, and not just a coach for people at Tom's. About four years ago, I decided to sell half the business. And the reason I did that is because we had built it to this size. We had kind of plateaued. We were trying to figure out how to grow more international, retail, things that I didn't really know a lot about. And I just was lonely. I had, you know, no board of directors, you know, no, like, no, no partners, no, I mean, and every time we wrote, like, a, $30 million check. It was like my personal checking account. Wow. Like if we wanted to place a big order or try to do some new stores, I mean, literally it was like the equivalent of writing a personal check every wow. single time. And so I ended up bringing in a partner. I sold 50% of the business. We brought in a great CEO, an amazing guy from Starbucks, Jim Alling, who was there with Howard for many years in building Starbucks, great servant leader. And that allowed me 
A, through having less pressure day-to-day to be running everything, but also a huge liquidity event yeah. allowed me to start investing in other social entrepreneurs. So a big part of what's inspired me the past four years has not just been like kind of being the spiritual guide of Tom's, but really helping other nonprofits get started, yeah. other social entrepreneurs get started, and really seeing them thrive. Wow. Like There's this great organization I always love talking about because it's one of my very first investments called Art Lifting. And it was this really smart young entrepreneur from Boston, and when she was going to school every day as an undergrad, she would see homeless people on the street, but they would be trying to sell artwork that they could create. And she was like, "This, if you took this art and you put it in a gallery, and it wasn't had the stigma of someone who's homeless, mm. you would pay a lot of money for this art. Right. So she created the first art gallery for profit to represent you know, homeless artists. And wow. she's taken, and she now expanded all over the world. And so now you have all these amazingly talented people who unfortunately have had some negative events in their life that ended up getting them on the streets. Now they're not only selling original pieces in galleries, but then they're licensing them to like hotel groups like Hilton. There's Billabong, you know, board shorts are buying. So that's a perfect example that's of what's cool. inspired me is it's called art lifting, is finding people who are like, okay, I see a problem in the world. Have a entrepreneurial for-profit solution and putting them together, and then usually they need some capital and a little bit of mentorship, and that's where me and my wife have spent a lot of time. Wow, how so, many people have you uh, invested? Uh, I think we've invested like thirty or forty of these companies now. Not all of them have worked out, but a lot of them are actually thriving businesses. Now. Mm. So yeah, it seems like the uh, younger generation wants to buy things that have more social good behind them. Sure, more causes yeah. behind. Hundred percent right? data yeah. behind that. Yeah. I mean, there's some people that are just like just want the Gucci or whatever the the most sure. fashionable yeah. thing, but most people I feel like are are interested in learning about giving in a certain way when they yeah. when they buy something that is doing something good in the world. Do you think if an entrepreneur starts a new business today that they can grow and thrive without having a giving back component? Mm. Yeah. Or are they more likely to fail without giving back? You know, it's a really good question, something I've thought a lot about and I get that question a lot, like when I speak at universities and stuff. I think that a company has to be transparent with their social purpose from the beginning to really connect with, especially Gen Z and millennial customers. I don't think they have to have a one for one, Uh and I don't think they necessarily even have to have a percentage of their sales is going to this thing. But I do think they have to be very clear on why they exist, and it can't be just to make money. Mm-hmm. So, like, it could be their supply chain. Like, Everlane is a great example, a brand that says, look. They just sponsored the show, actually. Really? Yeah, it hasn't come out yet, but that's one of our sponsors. Really? Great. I, can't I just get, found out about you them. You can't get more seamless yeah. than that, <laughs> I was right? Like, that was not I was, planned. I was literally just looking at them today because I'm supposed to pick out some uh, great. outfits. Yeah. So I was like, this stuff looks really good. It's absolutely great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, that's a perfect example. And, and Everlane, I think, is an example of an organization that, while they're not doing one-for-one, one, they've been inspired by Tom's to say, okay, our mission is to have a radically transparent supply chain to provide quality apparel at a price that is that, that cuts out the middleman. Right. Very similar to what Warby Parker did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so Everlane's a great example where- But they're not giving back. But they're not the giving cost. back. 
They're just yeah. saying we're taking that money yeah. and, and you don't making have to give it, it to us. And making it more transparent. And yeah. so I think, so to answer your question, I think Smart. that's what modern business has to do. You have to have a purpose bigger than just making money. If your purpose is just to sell a widget and make money, I think it's very hard to attract and retain young customers. Yeah, unless you're like a software that just has the best solution for someone's sure. problem. Sure, I, I think in tech you can get away with it. I think you know social media you can get away with it. Probably anything that is highly addictive, coffee. Yeah, right. <laughs> Doesn't know, have but, to get back. But if it's something where there's a choice of multiple brands and all things are equal, I think what you'll find is that customers would rather support an organization that has a social purpose. And a, and a powerful story behind that yeah, purpose, yeah, right? Yeah. How easy is it to create a social impact business? Well, I think it's one of the things that's harder is, is you have a cost structure that's different than a traditional business. Mm -hmm. Now, the only way it financially can make sense is if the cost it takes to either have a different supply chain or the cost it takes to do giving like us that that cost is not just seen as a cost, but as an investment in mm. your marketing, customer loyalty, et That is marketing, essentially. Yeah. so it is. So it's how many, just- Because how many shoes do you give away, or let's say? 10 million shoes a year. A 10 million, and how much does that cost? Yeah, so that's costing, you know, almost, say, 10 to, you know, it's 50, 50 to $70 million a year. 50 million a year yeah. on, so, on giving away products, yeah. so, so, but, as opposed to running like advertising, exactly. targeting. Yeah, or yeah, totally. But what you find is, is that because you're doing this, and it was more in the early days than it is now, is it is connecting people to, in a way, to your brand that advertising can't buy. That's the difference, I think. It's like, it's really hard. Now, some brands can get away with it, certain types of aspirational advertising. I think Nike's a good example yeah, of, of that. Course. Where it's just part of the culture. Like, you know, it's like they create ads that really make you feel a certain way about the brand, which yeah. then causes you to purchase it. Tell you tell great stories, things like that, yeah. But most brands, if you want to have that level of intimacy and connection with your customer, it's got to be deeper than the surface level of advertising. And that's where I think giving is is, is really a, a unique opportunity. Or I say giving meaning also something like the supply chain of you know transparency that Everlane has. Giving back to your... Yeah, it's got to have a bigger purpose. Yeah, interesting. If you were starting a business today and you were starting from scratch, yeah. what type of business would you create <laughs> that wasn't Tom's or anything yeah, you were working on? Sure. If you're just like an entrepreneur yeah. starting from scratch, Great. would it, you know, what industry would it be in? Mm. Yeah. What give back would it have or yeah. component would it have yeah. or transparency would it have? And why would you do that? So I've thought about this, and I have too many other things going on to do this business. <laughs> so maybe someone will take this and go. run with it and build something great. Yeah. But I really think in the clean energy space. You know, I think one of the biggest issues of our time is going to be climate change. It already is. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's more technology today, and every day it's like microprocessors, like solar, wind. Like this stuff is getting more and more affordable, and there's all different types of incentives to get into these businesses. And I think what's happened is is the incumbent is these big power companies. And so like it has every like every checkbox for me of what is a great entrepreneur opportunity. It's got, you know, the 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 big guys are slow and fat and happy. There's it's a new technology that is rapidly getting better. It is what young people really care about because this environment they need this earth they need to keep for a while. Right. Um, if I was starting from scratch, I think there are so many opportunities in the clean energy space mm. that entrepreneurs of all different sizes could capitalize on. Yeah, you could you could uh, have an energy company and then with the 
the recycled energy you can give it to a community that oh, can't so afford it. Yeah. You know, there's so many ways to do that. You could power um, like a thousand cities a year or something, yeah. you know what I mean? One of the biggest things, problems, we do a lot of work in places like Malawi or Haiti or Cambodia, or right. all these different places that, that oftentimes are people are living without running water and without electricity. And one of the biggest health issues is, is especially for kids who are wanting to, you know, do their homework and stuff at night. It gets dark very early in some of these communities, different times of the year. And they're inside these, these huts or in these dwellings and they're burning, you know, um, coal or something to have light, but they're breathing that smoke and they get you know, horrible lung diseases. Right. And so, you know, from a public health perspective, giving people solar or some type of energy is a game changer. It's powerful, yeah. yeah. I'm curious, I remember hearing this maybe like five years ago, maybe it was five, six years ago, about all this negative backlash you were getting, where yes. Tom Shoes yeah, was yeah, getting, sure. of yeah. like, okay, I can't remember what the articles were, but it's something about like, you're giving the shoes, you're not empowering people to work, or yeah. this and that, right? How do you deal with the the critics or the haters or the backlash of trying to do good? Yeah. Like your mission and intention is to serve humanity, <laughs> yeah. and yet, Shame on you yeah. for trying to We're help not doing us. It right. yeah. You're hurting people here. Yeah. You're screwing people out of jobs or whatever it was. Yeah. I can't remember specific. Combination of those things. Combination yeah. of those things. Yeah. How do you handle that type of high and then low sure. right afterwards of the, the negative effects that people were talking about? Well, the first thing is you develop thick skin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I remember, like, I look at, like, myself, you know, six, seven years ago to today and my ability to deal with critics or the kind of, you know, faceless people online right. that can really can really dig in on comments on social media or whatever is tough. But at the same time, I think one of the best lessons I learned was to try to find the, try to be curious enough to see where it's coming from and to really see is there a way to maybe not like get into a debate with that group, but to learn enough to say like, okay, well maybe there is some yeah. business opportunity here. Mm -hmm. So one of the most, my favorite stories to tell is like, I think it was five, six years ago, one of the biggest critiques we were getting was, you know, the kind of like, you should teach a person to fish, not give them fish. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I agree. Like in a perfect world, I could teach people to become a shoemaker, right. they could have shoes <laughs> for their kids, they could sell them. Like. Yes, and that's typically what I find with critics is they're they're coming from an idealized, oftentimes you know even kind of more kind of academic perspective, yeah. and which is great. But but they're not like in not real the, life. They're not like in the one of my favorite quotes is Theodore Roosevelt talks about the, the man arena. in the arena, yeah. right? They're not in the arena. Yeah. Like they're outside the arena, and so like what you have to get you have to do is you have to recognize with empathy that they're outside the arena. And you have to say, okay, well, how can I take this and potentially transform it into something that works in the arena? And so what, with this, with the criticism we were getting around, like, well, we need to create more jobs. Like, if you really want to transform people out of poverty, you've got to create basic needs, which is, you know, food, shelter, eyesight, shoes, yeah. that education. Education. Uh, and then you got to create jobs. And so... But the shoes provide, provide education, yeah. which provides jobs, well, right? Well, it can't. Well, the shoes can provide education. But I think that in some level, the critique about job creation was a fair one. Sure. Especially because we got to a scale where we could, by making some changes, we could have a, a, an impact on these communities. So in 2000, God, it's hard to believe, 2013, yeah. I said, okay, by 2016, we were going to create 25% of all Tom's giving shoes in the countries we give them in. That's powerful. That was a big statement. 
we ended up going from 25% goal to 50% in two years. Wow. And it made us more money. So it was like the best, and the reason it made us more money was we were now sourcing it like in India, in Kenya, Ethiopia, some of these places. We were making the shoes there so we didn't have to pay for shipping, which is one of the most important things or cost things. And we were able to use the materials, local materials. So we're now creating jobs, we're satisfying a ton of critics, and we're more cost efficient in getting the shoes to the people that need them the most. So the critics were actually a powerful- In in that one little case, it it helped. Now there was a lot of other criticisms that probably weren't helpful, but in that case, what I learned was if you just immediately kind of fight opposition with opposition, then you miss the ability to really understand what an adversary or someone is coming at. Because if you understand them enough, then you can potentially use it to your power. And so what I realized was people were not critiquing us because they didn't appreciate our giving model. Um, it, It sounded like they didn't appreciate it. But what they really were saying was a company of your scale should be more responsible with the supply chain, and if you can, mm-hmm. you should create you know more economic stimulation. Yeah. So you know we've we and we've had some failures too. Like we tried to do a factory in Haiti, and it was that was the first factory we did outside of our traditional supply chain, and everyone celebrated. And President Clinton talked about how great it was, and it was all this stuff. Two years later, we had to shut it down, and it was super painful because what we realized is we were trying to do something to answer the critics but we weren't really thinking about what was good for the business. So then we went to India and we said, okay, India actually has some really great factories that by working with them, we can create more jobs in these communities that desperately need them and it can be sustainable. And now we make school shoes for kids in India, leather school shoes, and it's been great for the business and great for the impact. Wow. So it's just one of those things where you kind of have to take the criticism and you have to look at it you know, with a, a curious, what I say, a beginner's mind, mm-hmm. but you also always have to have in the back of your mind that it has to be sustainable from a business perspective. It can't yeah. just be a, a, a response. Serving a critic's yeah. need, yeah, yeah, but it's gotta be smart, and that's, that's interesting though. What would you say is the biggest challenge you face personally right now in your life? Man, right now my schedule, I just, on the way here, my <laughs> wife and I just got into it. I mean, it was just, ugh, not pretty. I mean, I have two kids, I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, we split our time between Wyoming and Los Angeles. I know we're going to get to it, but literally I went from kind of semi-retired chairman of Tom's, maybe coming to the office you know, a couple times a month, to now I've been like working like I'm back in the startup days, and this has kind of thrown my family through a tailspin. So, wow. so my, biggest, my biggest challenge right now is I'm so passionate about this new campaign that we're working on with Tom's, and I think it's potential impact on American history, but at the same time, None of my family needs have changed. And my wife's like, okay, like, who's taking our son to snowboard lessons? Like, when was the last time you got quality time with your daughter? When was the last time we had a date night? You know, why are you on a plane again? So I think with a lot of people who are entrepreneurs who love what they do, one of the biggest challenges is managing your time because it's it's just every everything that is an opportunity to move your mission forward is is something you want to you want to do. It, yeah, takes, it time. takes time. Yeah, it takes time. Yeah. So. so how do you manage it all then? When you're so so what I'm trying to think about now because in a and I have been is is really just there's a great book called Essentialism. I don't know if you've yeah, read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that book's great. I'm really kind of trying to go back to that book right now mm-hmm. and start each week with like, okay, what are the things that only I can do? Like literally, like there might be the most amazing person that wants to meet with us on this new campaign we're working on, but 
do they absolutely have to have me in the room or could they get 90% of what we could get done if I'm not there, but my chief of staff is there or the head of marketing or whatever's there. And so I think the biggest thing is just really trying to remove yourself from meetings because that office and takes the most time. Only I can do this, right? So this yeah. is what I need to be spending my time is communicating and meeting with people um, you know, who have audiences of engaged people that are, are want to be activated. I need to spend less time saying yes to you know, meetings. And that's, yeah. and that's good because I don't really like being in meetings. Right. You know? <laughs> so, but it's so hard when yeah. you have people who really have you know, great ideas and, 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 and great opportunities for partnership, not just to say yes, and the next thing you know, you have no time on your calendar yeah. for anything I else. Think it's, I always try to create the list of like all the things I'm doing right now all the things that I don't need to be doing that I am doing. Yeah. And the things that only I can do. Yeah. And that, that third part's so critical. And try to just focus on, okay, well, here are two other lists that things I'm doing and, and things I don't need to be doing, but someone else can do. Like when we gotta start pushing that over as fast as possible yeah. so I can focus more on that one list of key things, like yeah. doing the interviews or doing the phone calls with yeah. the new introductions with sure. people or yeah. the lunch meetings, whatever it may be. Yeah. To build that the only you can that do. That only I can do. Yeah. I think the other thing is is eliminating, whenever you hear the word should in your vocabulary, that's something you probably shouldn't do. Should so whenever you say, that. I should do this, it's actually your guilt or your way yeah. that you've been programmed to think you have to do something that you really don't have to do. Yeah. So I've, I've found myself, whenever I catch myself, you know, I should go to that tonight, or I should be in that meeting, then I actually know that's a trigger of, no, actually you shouldn't be. Because if the reason you're going is because you had this kind of guilt that you should be there, it's probably it's probably not absolutely necessary. Mm, interesting. Yeah. What do you think entrepreneurs struggle with the most right now with all the social media out there and all the different opportunities and building a team and hiring and managing people? What do you think is the, the biggest challenge For entrepreneurs. of all of it? Yeah. Well, I think that... Right now, we're in a very unique time where there is a lot of capital to a lot of crappy ideas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of venture capital getting thrown at entrepreneurs that, that really don't have real businesses. And so I think the hard thing for entrepreneurs right now is, and I worry about entrepreneurs you know, wasting five years of their life you know, chasing something that really there's not a purpose for yeah. just because they can access the capital. And then they're going to look back and then, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the economy. And that capital is not going to be there. But the worst thing is time because you could spend, you know, there's so much capital available now to mediocre companies and mediocre ideas that it's not so much about losing that capital. That's going to happen. But, I mean, venture capitalists are big boys and big girls and they, they expect that to happen. Yeah. But what worse is the loss of time. And so if you're... If your peak time to start something in your kind of mid-20s to mid-30s before you have a family and all these other things and you can just mm -hmm. go focus and you waste that time on something that's just kind of a mediocre idea. And you never get any sales. Exactly. You never launch anything. Could, yeah, you don't do it because you have so much capital. You can just keep, you can keep trying, trying to, to make, make it, it perfect. perfect. Yeah. Oh my God. We always say, we always say, don't let, it, it's progress, not perfection. Yeah. And some of the best things I think that came out of, you know, the last bust was the minimum viable product, you know, really trying to get launched. Doesn't have to be perfect. Try to get revenue, try to get customers. So I think the biggest thing that I worry about with the state of entrepreneurship now is just there's, there's just there's just too much capital. Yeah, I've never taken uh, raise money for anything. I've always kind of like just great. hustled awesome. on my own for the last it. eight years. That's great. And just reinvested the money back yeah. in building the team awesome. and everything. And I always get like 
friends who are raising money and they'll raise a few million here yeah. and there. Some of them works out, some of them doesn't. And yeah. then they go start a new thing and yeah. raise more money. And I'm like, I don't know if I could live with myself. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. If it didn't work out, yeah. and I didn't pay these people back. Yeah, no, it's. Because you can just be like, all right, we're, it didn't work out. I'm going to do another thing. Sorry, we took your money. Yeah. We're going to try something else. Yeah. For me, that it's more of like the time is not a big deal for me. Yeah. It's like letting people down yeah. that yeah. believed in me. Yeah. And then I said, sorry, I can't pay you back. Yeah. No, but I'm going to go try something else and make money here. Yeah. I've got nothing to worry about. Like, yeah, no, it's nothing's on my back because you knew the risk. It's great that you had that perspective because that's very rare. And that's unfortunately, I think part of the reason that's rare is our media, meaning our financial media, you know, has done a horrible job of celebrating money raising, not making money. Right. It's <laughs> like, like, this person just raised this much yeah, money, yeah. and like, then seven years later, they still haven't done anything. I'm not even going to say the names of companies that, like, have, like, eclipsed Tom sometimes in the media, like, love. And I'm like, but they'd make no money. Zero money. Like, like they they've raised a ton million, of money. Yeah. And I was like, and you know, I'm like, isn't the purpose, last time I checked, if you start a business to make money and make it, sooner than later. Yeah, you get this like false belief around yourself, yeah. like all the press is talking about yeah, us, yeah. and look what people, oh, yeah. six people invested in us, we got all these yeah. press hits, but then three months later, no one talks about you, and you still haven't launched anything for a year. Yeah, And I just feel like that's, it's so enticing though, because you can have a, a nice background or degree, sure. yeah. and like resume, and have a great pitch deck, Yeah, and have two or three like key people on your team, and say, we've got this next big idea, yeah. give us five million bucks. Crazy. And then live off that for a few years yeah. and not have to execute. Anything. Yeah. I no, just it's, like that's like it's not gonna last for much longer. So if you're an entrepreneur watching this and you've got some money, I would I would I'd hoard it. <laughs> I'd really try to get something launched. I'd try to get some revenue quick. Cause I, I think we're unfortunately we're we're headed in a direction where there's gonna be some challenges yeah, ahead. That's tough. Now, so you took a kind of a back seat the last few years. Yeah. You sold half of it. You said you were in and out of the office like a couple of days a month. I'm assuming someone else was running it. Oh, yeah, you know, still, yeah. Yeah, someone else was running it, but you're still like the face, I guess, sure. the ambassador, yeah. chairman. And um, But something happened recently, or I guess it's been happening for the yeah. last couple of years, sure. where all these uh, shootings have been happening yeah. in schools and in clubs and bars and things like that. And one happened here in Los Angeles recently. Yeah. And um, what happened to you and your family when, when that happened? Yeah, so I mean, a crazy statistic is in the last 340 days of the year of the year this year in 2018, we've had over 300 mass shootings. 300. 300. What can, what's considered a mass shooting? Uh, more than uh, four people killed. Four people are shot or killed. Killed, I think. Yeah. Four, four people killed. are killed. Yeah. Wow. And 300 so, of those 300 in, in the United States. In the United States. Yeah. Is that it's for like real? Almost one a day. Yeah. No way. Yeah, no, do we do we just crazy. not hear about some of these? Or are there you don't hear about them? Like um, and and well, no, or? no, it's not small towns. It's it's actually communities of color. It's inner cities. It's God. yeah. I mean, this is where gun violence. I mean, you know, so actually, it may one, not be like a terrorist thing. No, it's 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 this is plaguing these communities day in day out. The only ones you do hear about are the are the more you know mass shootings at yeah. a club or a synagogue or a bar. But so. What happened was, is many people, we've read about everything, you know, read about what happened in Parkland, and we read about, you know, what happened just a few months and a half ago in a synagogue, and then you read about it happened in a yoga studio, and you somehow kind of get a little bit numb to it, because it's happening so often, and you almost start to expect that this is the new normal. 
until and it happens to you close. Yeah. or your yeah. community. That's that's the thing. And unfortunate, I wish that was not the case, but you know, in my case that was, and it is what it is. Yeah, about a month ago, we had a shooting in Thousand Oaks, which is 15 minutes from my house. 12 people were killed. My wife called me the next morning. I was actually on my way to Tom's, back of the Uber, and I was just like catching up on some emails and stuff. And she said, you know, I'm not gonna take our son to school today. Um, and I'm scared. And, you know, this happened in a synagogue just a couple of weeks ago. And I read about a yoga studio and I just don't know where we're safe anymore because Thousand Oaks is in, in, in the news report said it's listed as one of the top 10 safest cities in America. Wow. And so if it can happen there, it can happen anywhere. Yeah, it's and not like it's in the ghetto in LA. This is like this a is, suburban neighborhood. This is, yeah, like suburban neighborhood. North of LA, yeah. And so my wife, it was interesting. She said, someone has to do something about this. And I said, I agree, I agree. And, and I said, okay, well, I'll see you when we get home tonight. You know, she was a pretty emotional. And I got off the phone huh. and, you know, I've, I've told the story now a few times. It, it was it was as if, I mean, if whatever your religious beliefs are, like it was a, almost like a divine moment for me where I realized like she was saying rhetorically, someone has to do yeah. something, throwing her hands in the air. But everything in the universe and in my brain said, no, that's you. Like you have a platform. You built a business to help people. You've got millions of customers. You know, you have the access and you had the resources through Tom's success to, you know, take some of those resources and do something. And, and if you don't do it, who's going to do it? Like, I mean, like, and so I wrote a very passionate email to our CEO and to my partners and our board. And I said, look, guys, like, We've been talking about doing other things for years. You know, we've given shoes, 88 million pairs. We've given hundreds of thousands of people their eyesight back through our sunglass program. But we've always been talking about the last couple of years, like how do we have more of an impact on issues in our country that are plaguing us? Like how do we really dig in right here locally and, and really have an impact beyond these basic needs? And we had been talking about this for a couple of years. I said, guys, if we don't do something now, like this is like one of the biggest issues of our time. I don't think we're ever going to do anything besides give us shoes and eyewear. And that's fine. And that's great. But if I'm really going to be engaged in, in, in our organization and really feel that we're walking the walk and, you know, not just talking the talk, like we got to do something, we do something now. And of course, they were like, whoa, 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 well, you know, like, come on, Blake. I mean, like, yeah, like, we personally agree. Like, you know, like this is, you know, this is really sad. And like, you know, we can make a donation. And, and, I, and, and I said, no, guys, I, I don't, I, I really, you know, I'm not going to, I can't force us or want to force us or anything. But I really think this is a moment in time where our country needs leadership and needs leadership from the corporate side. And if we don't use our voice, then just going to be more and more of this happening. And so we made a really bold decision. Within three days, we literally made a commitment. So to, you convinced them all. Yeah, it took three days. Three days. So like three talk very to all long of them. Days. Like long, long days. How many people? Just ten people. Five. Yeah, probably about eight people. Well, probably about five people in terms of my financial partners and our CEO, and then about ten more people on the leadership team. And, and, and calling them, it's emailing oh, yeah, them, it's like, get behind me. It's yeah. calling them, it's emailing them, it's begging them, it's late <laughs> meetings, it's like the most, you know, I, I basically took every single ounce of relationship capital and wow. business capital I had and said, we have to do this. So did you need 100% participation well, on this or was it a majority? No, I didn't. I mean, I kind of picked one person off at a time and then over time, you know, and the truth is, is everyone I talked to at the company 
you know, philosophically, it's like, yes, like, like we agree, like someone has to do something, like this is getting to epidemic proportions. Like we personally feel that, you know, there's real sensible gun legislation that we could, you know, greatly reduce gun violence. But the main thing was like, is this right for our brand? You know, are we going to alienate a lot of customers? Because yeah. this is very political. Yeah, we like, might. You know? you know, and like, like, so there was all this very real concern about like how it was going to affect our business. Is this, are we the right brand to do this? Do we have credibility in this space? Like all these things, which were very fair. And something in my gut, and this is where I give a lot of credit to my partners and our CEO. I just said that, guys, like, there's only a few times in your life when you just know something. And wow. I know I can't show you the data. I know I can't show you this, but like, I know in my gut that like we are the ones to do this. Wow. And so that's the type of conversations that's amazing. I had. And so- You don't say that all, you haven't no, said that in never, 10 years. in my life, yeah. You said so that like, like 12 years ago. And I've ago. been pretty quiet. I mean, there's been a lot of decisions at Tom's the last four or five years that maybe I wouldn't have made them exactly that way, whether it was a product thing or distribution thing or giving strategy. So when I spoke out this strongly, it was a point where it's kind of like, okay, if we don't do this, then that's gonna like that's gonna have its own implications. Yeah, he and, might be gone forever. Yeah, yeah, who knows? I mean, I didn't never had to do an ultimatum. Yeah, it was yeah, never that way. Yeah. But the thing was, is as I said, guys, like, look, like this is a moment. Like we built Tom's because we believed in a better tomorrow. We believe business can be part of a better tomorrow. And so this is an opportunity for us to truly walk the walk, to be super bold. And I know, because I know our customers, I've built this company from the ground up, I know they'll be there with us. Wow. They might not agree 100% with us, but they will appreciate the fact that we're putting it on the line. So yeah, after three days, convinced the team, and it was, a Herculean effort, not just with me, but with as I got one or two people, then I, you know, started like cobbling them, to everyone together, and then three days later, we went on Jimmy Fallon, or I went on Jimmy Fallon, and so three uh, days of convincing, yeah, and then three days later, you hadn't created anything yet. No, 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 well, we were kind of doing both. Like I kind of was like convincing and having a small team here, kind really? of creating stuff, wow. just in case I got the yes. In-house startup, yeah, like, it was hey. totally an in-house startup. And the biggest thing we had to do is we created a simple technology on our homepage which is the other reason why people were nervous, is this was right before the biggest sales week of the year. This was Black wow. Friday, Cyber Monday, you know, all that stuff, wow. which is our biggest, I mean, our whole, our whole year is based on- 30% is yeah, that exactly, week. Exactly, yeah. So, and I said, I wanna take down all the shoes and put a technology there to help people send a postcard to their representatives urging them to pass universal background checks. On Black Friday. On Black Friday, or two days before Black Friday. Oh my gosh. So that was also kind of like part of the reason why it was such a heightened. They're like, can we wait a week later? Yeah. And, and yeah. that was a question, and I said, no. I said, look, if you wait a week, it looks like a marketing campaign. Mm. You know, it looks like you can't. Like, if we believe in this and we don't want another shooting to happen, wow. and we want to get people, you know, moving in the right direction, we got to do it right do now. Do we care more about our profits on Black Friday or about saving people's lives? Yeah, and that was it. And then when you had it that way, it was actually an easier discussion to have because everyone right. really at Tom's is there for the right reason. And, and even though they want to be responsible from a fiduciary responsibility, yes. they also want to make sure that if we can actually make a difference in people's lives, we do that. And we've always led that way. And I've been very proud of Tom's in that regard. But what happened was, is we literally created the simple technology where any single person in the United States could go on the website, put their name and address, 
the address would tell them basically trigger who their representative is in Congress. In their state. In their state. Yeah. And then they persend and then we would print and mail and pay for the mailing a postcard to the representative. And so the goal was is to get, you know, thousands of people to do this, to get all these postcards to flood the offices of these Congress people so that when it comes back in session, they would vote for universal background checks. Wow. Now, universal background checks. So it's not checks, like getting rid of guns all in no, all. No, no, no. That's the most important this, thing. This is for what reason? Yeah. So, so basically, we are 100% pro-Second Amendment, 100% pro-guns. I mean, I grew up in Texas hunting. Yeah. I have lots of friends that are hunters. We have no problem with guns. What we have a problem with is when guns get in the wrong people's hands. And that's where you see this huge spike in gun violence. So right now in our country, there is no universal background check at a federal level. Mm -hmm. So that means you can be a felon, you can get out of jail, you can go and buy five AK-47s. No way. Yes, 100%. No background check. No background check. Go get it. You can go to the gun show, you can go to a private dealer, you can do this. Second thing is you can be a person that has a mental health track record and go buy guns. You can be a domestic abuser. You can have a record of abusing your spouse and go buy a gun. And you can be on the terrorist watch list and still go buy a gun. No way. I swear. This is why, so it's like, when I learned this, that's why I I was like, guys, we're not picking a fight politically. This is a human issue. 90% of Americans say they're in favor of universal background checks, but there has not been the political will to get it done because it's become so politicized. Right. Because people just hear guns like, oh, you're taking my guns away. And so that was the biggest thing I had to really get across on Jimmy Fallon and then in the media I did after is like, look, we have no problem with guns. What we have a problem with is people going and buying them so easily where they're not fit to have them. Wow. And so once we started convincing- or This not, is what people have been saying in the media all year, in the last couple of years, as more shootings happen. Yeah. They've been bringing up that point about background checks. Exactly, exactly. And they keep talking about it, and media keeps talking about it, but no one's been doing anything. Well, no one created an organized way to to harness the voices. So what we did is we did two things. We said, look, we're going to make the largest corporate contribution in the history of the United States. We gave $5 million, and that was five times larger than the second largest contribution. $5 million for what? To the organizations that are working to end gun violence. So that is March for Our Lives, Mothers Demand Action, Faith in Action. So these organizations are doing the hard work, because it is a complex issue, of all the different ways you you can decrease gun violence. Then we created the technology on toms.com where any American can go and send a postcard in less than 30 seconds. That was, we launched it like, I think like 18 days ago. Now when this is shown, it'd be probably, you know, 24 days or 30 days. And we have already had almost 700,000 Americans send a postcard. It's crazy. I mean, we were hoping to get like 20,000. Really? So, I mean, we didn't. It's, it's, hard, stars, we're like, oh, it's hard to get people to act. It's hard for people to actually take time out of their day to go to a website, to fill out a form. But we realized there were so many people in our country that were so fed up of reading about another shooting and, and needed a way to feel that they could be part of the solution, not just you know saying, oh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Like they actually, like there's this pent up demand, we didn't realize at the time, for people to actually have a real opportunity to act. And so by giving them the ability to go to toms.com, to send a postcard, to help get universal background wow. checks passed, it kind of like unleashed this, this pent up need that so many people had and it's been amazing. And then the other thing that's been amazing, and this is something we can never have predicted, but some of our biggest supporters have been gun owners. 
the lead singer of the band Florida Georgia Line. Country music, huge band, millions of fans. He's a gun owner, and he put a video on Instagram and said, look, I'm a proud gun owner, but I'm also a parent, and I've got a daughter, and I don't like the idea that she's gonna go to school and have to do a lockdown trip. Wow. You know, and then we had another person that That's was a cool. gun owner. And so what we've seen, especially on social media, the videos that have gone the most viral on this have all been gun owners. Because they're like, look, like I'm a gun owner. Like I have no problem with that, but we've got to be more sensible. And I think wow. that's why we're seeing the tide turning. And I, you know, was speaking to Congressman Thompson today from California, who's working on the legislation that's going to be on the House floor second week of January. And he's like, he's like, I've been working on this for six years. Like, we're this is going to pass in the House, and if we do things properly and keep showing that the American people want to be heard, this could be a law. And like that, wow. that would be a change in American history. I mean, this is something that over decades has not been able to happen. So wow, it's man. exciting. And so this is like Tom's, like <laughs> circa 2006. Yeah, right? it's 2008, it feels like exactly like social that. media taking off and spreading the story. Yeah, yeah. there's a new uh, pain in the world that yeah. you're solving. Yeah, it's like we've we've in a sense. I think for me personally, and I think this is the lesson for entrepreneurs or anyone who feels that there's like these peaks and valleys in their yes. career, is like you need a battle to fight. You do, you know? otherwise it's like, we're just trying to make more money. Yeah, and, there's, we're just trying to- and even if you're doing something good, even if you're helping get you know tens of millions of kids' shoes, over time, if you're really an entrepreneur in your blood, it's like you need that battle to fight. You need to do the impossible. And so when, when I pitch this to my internal team, and there was resistance. I'm actually glad there was resistance. If they would have said, yeah, great idea, I don't think we would have executed as well. But because there was some initial resistance, because there was concern about sales, because there was concern about if this was gonna be seen as a political move and, and we have a very equally split politically uh, customer base, because of that, we executed so intensely and so carefully. And because of that, you know, we've seen this go viral. We've had, you know, something like seven billion media impressions in it's three amazing. weeks. I mean, it's just Crazy. nuts. And so to me, what And that, how have sales been through Black Friday? Yeah, and the so holidays? so so the great thing is is we don't have all of our numbers for our wholesale accounts, but all of our online numbers have been up. And up significantly, double digits. So not what we were expecting. And because there was no shoes to buy. Right? Was that true, or you could go down the page and find? Well, you could still find shoes down below. But it's like right the, on the whole but, page. But above the whole, above the fold, there was only the postcard. Wow! And it's been that way for almost two weeks. Almost seven hundred thousand as of us recording yeah. this. Probably when this goes out, close to a million. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. And if you're watching and we're not to a million yet, go to the website and you could be like the final person. Wow. I want to go back on Jimmy Fallon when we hit a million. So what do they do? They go to toms.com. Yep. Just right in the homepage right still. Yeah, still, it'll still be there. Christmas, this is Christmas Eve. It'll still be on the homepage front and center. Through January 1st. Yeah, definitely through January 1st. So it'll be right there. Until Congress is back in session. It That's January 4th. Gotcha. Yeah. It'll take, what do you do? 22 you just, seconds. 22 seconds. Yeah. You just type your name, and, your, your zip code. Yeah, yeah. And then it tells you where to send it, and you click send. And then we pay for the You pay for the postage. And, and, and the printing of it, yeah. Does there a thank you at the yeah, end? Yeah, you get a thank you, and then the thank you has a button you can click, and it will send to all your Twitter, Facebook, Everyone. Smart. Yeah, and so it becomes a viral loop. Wow. You know, so that's that's what's been. So yeah, so I mean, it's 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 you working. Fired up about this. Ah, I mean, so fired up. You know, because it's excited. Get to be part of a solution. Like I just hate hearing about experiencing things, a pain and suffering in our world, knowing that we have, as humans, the tools and the technology to make it better. And then what I also am realizing the macro thing that now has like gotten me so fired up is as a brand. 
We're going to look for things going forward that have become politicized that are not political or human. Because there are more and more things that are dividing us now that used to be not political. And to me, that is the pain point I think I've identified, is there are things, and I don't know what the next thing is going to be yet, but I know there will be a next thing. Yeah. This is a human issue that whether you're on the right or the left or you're, you know, you're from this part of the world, you, we all wow. care about the same thing. Yeah. And Tom's going to be a, a business that brings people together wow. to, to make those changes. And so that's where I'm realizing that's really what Tom's 2.0 is about. And the interesting thing, that's as you look cool. at like what's the business impact, one of the things has just been fascinating to me is, and I saw the statistic today, so it's fresh in my mind. So up until four weeks ago, 85% of our sales were women and 15% male, mm. okay? And that's been pretty much that way since I started Why the Why is that, because? The original shoe we did was this slip-on called the Alpargata, oh, yeah. and it's a more feminine-looking yeah. shoe. Yeah. There's still a lot of guys, millions of guys have worn it over time, but for the most part, it gravitated more towards women. Yeah. And then because it's we like had- It's like a flat. Like yeah, a, it's like a flat, like more thin kind of slip-on. So about two years ago, and this is like kind of Look backing now, I'm like, I'm so grateful. About two years ago, we realized that if we were going to grow our business and, and kind of get that next grade of growth, we had to bring on a great men's designer and we had to create like boots and, and trainers and shoes that guys could wear, you know, beyond our original shoe that we're known for. And so we actually built this amazing product line for guys wow. in the past two years. The problem is we could never get any guy's attention for them to see it because most guys just assume like, oh, Tom's are what my girlfriend wears, right? That was the thing. Or my mom. Kind of like sister. Ugg. Kind of like yeah, Uggs. Yeah, now. exactly. Uggs is a great example of this. Yeah. That's why they hired Tom Brady. Exactly. To try right. to, you look we, cool now. Yeah, 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 but we couldn't afford to hire Tom Brady. <laughs> so we had this issue for two years. We have now, we have great men's product, but we never get enough attention because we don't have a huge marketing budget because we spend so much money on giving. So this happens People who want to end gun violence don't have a gender connection, right? Yeah. So now about half of our traffic to the website was guys and half was girls. Pretty cool. As of now, this last week, 40% of our sales are men now. No way. From 15% to 40. So think of that, three they times. they saw it. They, they saw, saw it. Like, oh, this looks cool. It's cool, yeah. So they went there wow. for a postcard, and then they saw these boots that are really masculine, and they're right. waterproof, and it's freezing cold and snowing in right. Wyoming right now. And, and so one of the things that's interesting to me is, and this is kind of the entrepreneur lesson, you can have the right product, but if you don't have the right mechanism to get the right people in front of your product, your business isn't gonna grow. Yeah. And so what I realized is while our growth has been kind of flatlined the last few years, even though our product has been better than ever, the reason it's been flatlined is we didn't have a fight big enough to attract attention. this, this yeah. attention. And now that we have and all you're these- you're not spending advertising. No. Right, yeah. Yeah, and we're spending $5 million in giving, yeah. so it's a significant investment in resources. But what that's done is it's gotten all these guys to Tom's maybe for the first time, wow. and then they see these boots, or they see these sneakers, or they see these shoes, they're like, oh, that's that's actually for me. And then, and so I think that what we're gonna see, if I come on a year from now, yeah. I think we're gonna have a much bigger business, and I think we're gonna have a business that's much more balanced from a gender basis, which makes it you know a lot more dependable or, or predictable in the future. That's pretty cool. So it's been really wow, amazing man. to me to see how many like lessons we've learned in such a short period of time just by doing the right thing.
At the end of the day, we took a huge leap of faith. Big risk. And, and yeah. it was very risky four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It feels less risky today. Yeah, it seems like you're um, the smartest guy in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, this is one of my favorite quotes about entrepreneurs. It says, <laughs> when you're an entrepreneur, every day you wake up and you know you're either going to be a genius or an idiot, but you will never be a regular guy or girl trying to get through the day. You'll always be remembered for something, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll never be remembered as like, oh, yeah, they were, they, you know, they really got through the day. Like, it was always genius or idiot. And so I've been an idiot plenty of times in my career, <laughs> a genius maybe a couple times. I don't know ultimately how this is going to affect the business long term because we're getting a lot of awareness now. But what I do know is everyone at Tom's internally has this kind of renewed kind of hope and purpose because they realize that we can use business, use our community, use technology to have an impact in something that like politicians have had a hard time doing. Wow. So that's what's exciting. That's really cool. Yeah. Man, 700,000, that's cool. Let's get it to a million. Yeah, let's get it to a million. Go to toms.com right now where you're listening to this. Take a screenshot on your phone yes. and tag it on your Instagram story tag you as well. Yeah. I don't know if you check your Instagram Oh, yeah, stories. all the time. Yeah. So tag Blake. Are you at Tom's? At, or at at, at, well, either at Tom's or at Blake Mikoski, both. Okay. Yeah. Blake Mikoski, make sure to tag Blake and myself. Let's get this message out there far and wide. I want to ask three final questions. Okay, great. This is called the three truths. Oh, cool. Okay. Three truths. So I want you to imagine that it is, you get to choose the day that is your last day on earth. Okay. Okay. It can be 500 years from now, for okay. whatever reason. Okay. Any day you want okay. in the future. Okay. You've achieved everything you want. You've grown the businesses, helped the entrepreneurs, solved human problems. Yeah. Uh, all the things that you want to do in your lifetime, you've done it. Mm. And it's a beautiful moment, but it's your time to go. you got to go at some yeah. point. Yeah. And for whatever reason, all the things that you've created in your life, your books, your videos, your work, your businesses, they have to go with you. Mm. So no one has access to your information Okay. Anymore. Okay. But you get to leave behind on a piece of paper three things you know to be true about all your experiences in life. Wow. These would be the three truths or the three lessons that you would leave behind to the world. Mm. And you know you get to share three things. What Mm. would you say are your three truths? Wow. That's such a good question. Well, I, I think I would start with the phrase is used a lot, but it's been really important to me in my life since I was 18. I had one of my best friends pass away when I, when I was 18. And I could have been on the plane. It was a plane crash. I could have been on the plane with him, and I wasn't. And I, I realized that I could never predict when that day would come. Um, and so that I should make the most of every day. And so when I was 18, I started signing every letter, because we didn't really have email back then, uh, carpe diem, seize the day. And to this day, every email I ever write, I, I sign at Carpe Diem. Every thank you note I write, I sign at Carpe Diem. Every book I sign, I sign at Carpe Diem. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that you know the greatest honor we can give to the people who've come and passed before us, and the greatest kind of honor we can give to you know whatever your spiritual belief in terms of how you've been created is to seize the day, is to truly live every day as if it's your last. And so if this is the last conversation I have with someone that gets recorded, I want to make it the best one. You know, if tonight when I go home and I read my son his story, I want to be present to that because I want to be the best one. So carpe diem would be my first truth. My second truth was also uh, has been very influential in my life, and it was given to me by a great entrepreneur named Bob Dedman. Bob Dedman started a company called Club Corp, and he was one of the largest donors to SMU, the college I went to. And I got to meet him when I started my first business, which was a laundry business, and, and I asked him for a piece of advice. And at this 
stage, he was probably in his like late 70s, very successful, a billionaire. And I said to him, I said, so if you give one thing, write down yeah. your piece of advice, kind of like you're, yeah, you're yeah. with me. And he wrote down on a piece of paper, the more you give, the more you live. Mm -hmm. And that I wow. think is absolutely true. Like there is nothing that has given me more joy, more uh, fulfillment than the moments of, of truly giving and giving outside of your comfort zone. Not just giving when it feels comfortable or it's an easy check to write, but giving when it really kind of feels sacrificial. Giving when it causes you to get on a plane to fly halfway around the world to be with you know kids in a slum. Like wow. really, the more you give, the more you live. And I've, and I've never had a day on this planet where I in, in, involved or incorporated giving into it that I felt like was not one of the more meaningful days. Wow. So I would say carpe diem, the more you give, the more you live. And then my third one, and this one doesn't come to me like as immediately as those two because those have been so ingrained in my life's work. But I do think that one of the things that I've, I've worked on a lot and my wife has really helped me a ton is really to be present. There's so many things going on. There's so many digital distractions. There's so many people pulling at your time. And so you can come up with all the different strategies in the world about how to manage your time or how you're going to commit to you know, certain things. And we talked about that earlier in the show. But, but I think the thing is, is you can only truly be in one place at one time. Multitasking is kind of bullshit, I think. Yeah. Like I am here right now and I am fully present with you. And I'm excited about answering these three truths. But when I get home, I only have the opportunity to be present with my kids or my wife, you know? And then tomorrow, if I'm with a friend and having lunch, I have the ability to be present with them. And I think that I think that, that is a practice that takes a lifetime and you'll never perfect it. Um, we'll always try to get better. But I think the more moments, I actually have it tattooed right here on my, on my, yeah, on my arm, because I wanna be reminded every time I look down, like just be present because that's the only moment that we actually have is the present. And, and the more that you are present, especially with your loved ones and the people you care about, that's what creates those, those memories and those moments that you will hold on you know, for your entire life. Wow. Yeah. So seize the day. Uh, be present was the last one. The second one so was- Carpe diem. The more you give, the more you live. The more you give, the more you live and yeah. be present. I love those, man. You talked about your wife a few times throughout this. Can you share the, the greatest lesson that she has taught you mm. and how important she is in your life? Yeah, it's so interesting because when I'm my best self is when I'm most connected to her. Mm. When I'm truly thriving, whether it's in business or with our, our kids or with my friends, it's when I'm, I'm really, really spending time listening to her and listening to her in a way that she knows kind of what's best for me. And I think that's what her superpower is, is she, not just me, but other people, I think she really can understand and she has a, a, a gut intuition that others don't and she can really understand like when you're in your best place. Yeah. But I think the thing that she has taught me the most is really goes back to the thing that I still continue to struggle with though is, is just that life is about these very important moments with the relationships you have and and, it, and you've got to make time on your calendar to have them. You know, I mean, she is she is so good at saying no to things. Wow. And, and I'm not. We want to say yes yeah, to everything. everything. Yeah. yeah, and she is so good at not answering emails wow. and so good <laughs> at not answering text messages. I mean, it drives, you know, people in my life crazy sometimes, like my mom, because she's like, Heather has not texted me back. And I'm like, 
She's present. She's present. She's like she's her life. like yeah. yeah. And so I think the thing that I'm, I'm I'm really grateful to Heather is you know she's really helped me slow down, kind of you know really understand what's important, what relationships, what what do I absolutely have to do versus just saying yes to everything. And sometimes that that's the reason I know that that's so important in my life is it's also the thing I struggle with, and it's the things that we argue about, and it's like because it is hard to do, but when I do it is when I feel the most connected and the most present. And so, you know, it's um, it's that, and then the other thing is is she is she is a, a just a an incredible defender of anything that's unjust. Mm. You know, she's a huge animal activist. I mean, she will do anything for any animal on the planet. She is the, the original phone call and, and saying someone has to do something about this after the Thousand Oaks led to all this and the ending gun violence. I mean, when something is not right, you know, she is not afraid to speak out, even if it's not politically correct, right. even if it's not gonna be uncomfortable in a group setting, like she speaks her mind and that gives me more confidence to speak mine and to use my platform to do things that might be outside of my comfort wow. zone. That's cool, sounds like a powerful woman. Yeah, very much, so. woman. very much so, very much so. Well, I want to acknowledge you for a moment for doing the challenging things. I feel like you've been leading the way in your business for a long time, doing the thing that people have said, this is crazy, you can't give up, you can't give a shoe for uh, selling a shoe, that's too much cost, you know, how are you going to build it? For doing the hard thing constantly, because this right now is not like a popular thing to do with your team, with your business, until it is. Yeah. But you to have the vision and the courage to constantly step beyond what's possible is really inspiring. And I would acknowledge you for constantly serving other entrepreneurs with your heart, with your leadership, with your words, and your actions, most importantly, by doing the hard thing and making a real change in the world. So I acknowledge you for everything, Blake. It's been, uh, it's been really cool to connect with you, and, and I hope you achieve everything you want uh, for your whole life. So make sure you guys go to toms.com. Right on the homepage, it takes 22 seconds. Fill out the form, send it in, they'll pay for everything and do it all. It takes less than 30 seconds. Check it out right now. Take a screenshot of it. And you'll get to celebrate with us because this is going to get passed. Like This is going to literally change the history of our country as as it relates to gun legislation. And so one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about people doing this is not just because it's going to be effective. But I want to give everyone that joy to be able to say, in 2019 or in 2018, Christmas Eve, I sent a postcard, and in 2019, a law was passed because of that. That's what I want. I want everyone to have that experience because it's going to happen. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, Make sure you guys do that right now. This is the final question. And we can follow you on Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, yeah, it's at Blake Mikoski for Twitter, Instagram, everything, and then at Tom's. Okay, cool. And for anyone that wants to do that solar energy give back, yeah. DM you or yeah, something. Yeah, DM me for sure. See, maybe yeah. you'll invest in the next yeah. great The best thing is to DM me on Instagram. There you yeah. go. Uh, final question is what's your definition of greatness? Mm-hmm. So my definition of greatness is someone who lives authentically, someone who is present, and someone who really seizes the day. Because I feel like when you are an authentic person and you are present in the moment, and you don't take any moment for granted, mm-hmm. that's when you can live your best life. And when you live your best life, that's when you can achieve greatness. There you go, Blake. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate you, brother. Awesome. Thank Appreciate you. you.
There you have it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Blake Mikoski. Make sure to take on the challenge. Go to toms.com and follow through on this. Please, please, please share this with your friends. lewishouse.com slash 736 for the full show notes, the video, all the goodies we talked about. It all be linked up on the show notes there. Tag Blake and tag Toms. Let them know you enjoyed this. Share with your friends. We got to get this message out far and wide. If you have an entrepreneur friend, make sure to tag them over on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to listen to this, to watch this, and to share it with their friends. This is an important topic, guys. I really hope you share this with your friends. This episode is a powerful one, and I loved connecting with Blake. Love his mission and everything he's up to. And make sure to take care of yourselves this holiday. You know, wherever you are in the world this holiday, make sure you reflect on a lot of the things that you've gone through this year. Make sure you're spending quality time with friends and family. And I'm going to be doing a recap episode here soon of 2018. Biggest lessons, biggest successes, and what to think about moving forward in 2019. So stay tuned for that one coming soon. If this is your first time here, please subscribe. Leave a review over on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes. You can subscribe over on Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, all the places online the podcasts are. We are there. Please subscribe. Leave us a review. We love you. We appreciate you. And as Oprah Winfrey said, don't worry about being successful, but work towards being significant and the success will naturally follow. Focus on doing something that matters. Focus on doing something to give back, to pay it forward, and to integrate a holistic approach to making an impact in the world with your business to the best way of your abilities. I love you guys so very much, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. <laughs>